It's the 30th of August, 2021. So this time, now is the time for us to train these minds and to reflect on them as well. That what are they? What are they like? These minds are a knowing element that receives sensory experience. And sometimes when we train the mind, then it gathers into peace very easily. And sometimes this only happens with a lot of work and effort. And if in each day we're able to bring our minds to a state of peace just once, then they'll gain a lot of energy from this. And Lung Po Cha once said that uh, all it would take was for him to sit in meditation one time and bring his mind to peace and he would gain energy for the next 15 days. And it shows that the energy within his heart was a lot, his barami was great. And so if we train, if we practice, then things will get better and better. And we see that the well-trained mind does bring us happiness, doesn't it? But sometimes the heart is attached to sleep, to resting. And if we're resting too much, then Lumpur Cha said that we need to teach ourselves so that we don't sleep so much, so that we don't eat too much, we don't speak too much. And he said that one who uh, sleeps, eats, and talks a lot, is a foolish person, is someone who's stupid. And so we need to try to develop wisdom. But if we see that the happiness that we gain from sleeping, from eating the food that we like, from talking a lot, is a genuine kind of happiness, that this actually gives us happiness, then that's just deluded. Because these things, they don't bring any benefit for our minds. But also if we do too little of them, then problems occur as well. If we eat too little, if we sleep too little, um, then this will affect our minds negatively. But in order for this, to happen, it really does need to be very little. So if we eat too little, then this isn't good either. So we need to get things just right. Need to sleep, eat, and speak in a way that's just right, an amount that's just right. <clears throat> and only then will these, will these things be good. But if we're sleeping too much, then we need to train our minds need to train them so that they rest just enough and so that when we wake up we can get back to our meditation practice. So perhaps we go to sleep at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., wake up at about 3 a.m. so we can get about four hours sleep at night, maybe four and a half hours, and during the day get about one hour. So that's five and a half hours in total uh, during the day and the night. But if we sleep more than that, then the mind will feel just lacking in energy, or feel very dull, lethargic. 
and it won't be bright. And that's because during the time when we're sleeping, then these hindrances are holding sway over the mind. And in order for us to recover from that, that period of rest, it takes time. And if we eat too much, then we just get intoxicated on the food. We get drunk on uh, the normal rice or on sticky rice or another food that we eat. And so we need to be cautious around these things. And training our minds so that they have intelligence. And so we can sometimes curse ourselves when we're training ourselves and tell ourselves, well, if you don't wake up, if you don't go to the morning chanting, then may you die or may you fall into hell. And we ordained in order to escape from hell, in order to escape from the realms of the hungry ghosts or the Asura guys or from the animal realm. And at the very least, we need to be humans and go between the human world and the Deva world. And then in no more than seven lives to attain to Arahantship. And this is what we desire at the beginning. But perhaps we haven't reached there yet. Perhaps we don't have any um, noble or exalted qualities within our hearts. And so for those who have ordained, this is something that we should contemplate. Whether we have any um, of these noble or exalted qualities yet, so that if we are asked by one who has seen the Dhamma, one who has attained to awakening, then we won't be shy or embarrassed when we're asked about what we've gained from our monastic life. So even if we are the abbots of a very large monastery, or we gain a lot of physical things, a lot of gains, a lot of offerings, these are just external things. And we need to understand that they arise from the Bharami of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and from the faith of the laity, and they don't actually belong to us. So we need to come to train our minds, If we're sleeping too much, then we lay curses on ourselves, so that we see the danger in the cycle of samsara, so that we can perceive this suffering that's awaiting for us, just in front of us. So we know that those people who are ill, they're going through a lot of pain, a lot of sickness, and it can really be agonizing. And perhaps they have cancer in their intestines. And before, they didn't have this. And they never contemplated that in the future they would contract this, that they would get this cancer. And there are a lot of people who are in this situation. And really all the organs in this body, every part of this body, is the residence for illness. And so we shouldn't be heedless. We shouldn't be heedless about these bodies. And it's like we're staying in a house that is falling apart, and that it's rotten, uh, the stilts or the poles in the house are um, not straight, 
And there's termites that are consuming uh, the house. And so we know that one day it'll have to fall apart, it's going to have to break. When we newly build it, then it's nice and strong. And we don't think that perhaps one day a storm will blow in and knock it over. Or maybe a flood will come, maybe there'll be an earthquake, maybe a fire will consume it. And if this happens, then everything that we own will be destroyed. And so these things are not sure. These things change, they're unstable, aren't they? And it's the exact same with our bodies. And even though they may be in a strong state right now, we shouldn't be negligent. We shouldn't think that it's going to last forever, because that's simply not the case. That illness is steadily creeping in on us, and steadily moving closer and closer. And so I saw this myself around uh, the year uh, 2015. I went to India and I hadn't rested enough. I also had a cold and the medicines that I was taking were very strong. And my heart had had issues for a long time already. The doctor gave me a warning saying to be careful because if you're not, then um, the heart may beat very hard. It uh, may develop uh, palpitations. But I didn't really know that this was going to happen. And so it started happening. The heart was beating faster than normal and it was there was a very irregular heartbeat. And so this was around the end of the year uh, 2014. And this kept on for two years until I eventually managed to uh, recover from it. But it wasn't a full recovery. My heart never went back to what it was before. And so this is just something that's normal. That I've used this heart, I had used this heart for 60 years already. And all of the organs of this body, they all deteriorate. But it's still in a good enough condition to be able to stay on. And it was also a good opportunity for me to, to train as well. That even though there was these palpitations and these abnormal heart beats, um, when I would listen to the chanting, the morning or evening chanting, or sit in meditation, then my mind would be able to separate out from the feelings, separate out from the objects of the mind. And it could do this. But in order to have this ability, we need to train ourselves first. And so most of us here are relatively young, maybe 40 years old, 50 years old. Most of the monks here are about this age. And we need to train ourselves first during this time, while we have this time, while we have a body that's still strong. Because when it starts to get sick, when it starts to really deteriorate, um, then it'll be difficult if we don't have that energy. But if we train ourselves, then we will have the energy. And so for the laity as well, we need to train 
before this happens as well. Because what is this body a heap of? It's a heap of anicca, a heap of um, inconstancy or change. And even though we love this body dearly, it's still something that isn't sure. And so who was it who told our minds that this body really belongs to me? Ever since we were born, we've always thought this, that this is me, it belongs to me. And there's no one who knows otherwise that this body is not self. But the Buddha awakens to the Dhamma and taught the Dhamma, and no one else was able to gain this knowledge um, of not-self, that everyone was deluded about this. But through the vast, boundless kindness and compassion of the Lord Buddha, he taught us these truths. So for us, we need to come to train these minds, so that they have goodness, so that they get better. And if we haven't yet um, obtained Dhamma, then we need to forbear first. We need to just carry on practicing, carry on training our minds. If we're lazy, then we teach our minds. Perhaps we need to scold them. If they do something good, then we can give ourselves some praise. So we need to get these things in balance as well. And sometimes we practice well and then we can praise our minds. Sometimes they're very lazy and so we can torture them. And how do we torture them? What things do we like? Do we really like delicious food? Well, then we can tell ourselves that if we don't sit or walk in meditation, then we're just going to eat plain rice. Or if we don't wake up by 4 a.m., then we'll just eat plain rice. So we really take this practice for real in this way. In the defilements, they'll be afraid, afraid that they won't get to eat the things that they like, and so they'll make sure that we wake up. And so this is the practice for the monks, but for the laity, you need to get things in balance don't need to take it uh, this far. And even though sometimes we may feel lazy to meditate, maybe there's not much energy, and you can listen to some uplifting music or watch an uplifting movie. But while we're doing these things, then we're also aware, we're also contemplating as we are engaging in them. And then when we have regained our energy, then we come back and meditate anew. We should also think that this life is something that isn't sure. This life is something that is temporary. And we shouldn't be heedless. We should try to practice following the teachings of the Buddha. Because we're so fortunate to have this opportunity to get to know the Dhamma. So we should abandon all things that aren't good and try to get the things that are good. And really, if we give, then we are the ones who receive. That the giver is the one who gets. Those who give, that they receive. They receive uh, wealth. They, and the more that we give, then the more we get of this, and the more the things in our life become complete. And that all the wealth um, in our lives becomes complete. 
So we should understand that having been born into this life, um, that we are born in order to gain more knowledge, in order to study more, in order to know more, in order to see more of the Dhamma. And it's kind of like this world is a gigantic school, or it's a big uh, testing hall. And when we take this test or these exams, we're not competing with anyone else. We're just competing with ourselves and competing against the defilements in our hearts. And so if we've been born into this life and our minds just do everything that they feel like doing, they follow all of their emotions, just like they always have, then that means we've failed the test. But if we have a lot of goodness and we feel this inner sense of ease, we're generous, we're virtuous, and we have um, all the external things that we require, there's a sense of ease that comes from that, then it's like we've gone to heaven. And so that's what it's like for people who have everything in a state of completion. This is like the heaven realm within our own hearts. But the Buddha also taught that this heaven, it doesn't last forever. And why is that? It's because this body doesn't last forever. This body needs to break apart. When we have breath, then we have everything. When we lose our breath, then nothing is left. And so we see that with people in this present day. When they don't have oxygen, um, oxygen tanks, so they're not hooked up to oxygen, then they'll need to die for sure. And they've got the COVID infection that's, that's gone into their lungs. And even though they may have medication, if they don't have oxygen um, provided uh, through a tank, then it's very difficult. So it's important for us to train these minds of ours well. And these minds, what are they? They're a knowing element. Um, but if this knowing element has delusion in it, then it will attach to the mind as being my mind. That I am this body. I am physical things. I am mental things. And so it's this quality of delusion that makes us attach to this mind as being me. But we shouldn't allow this to be a cause for worry. Even though there's this attachment and a sense of self, we ensure that it's a good self. That it's not a stupid or a foolish self. It's not a self which is gullible. It's not a self which is lacking in effort. And so even though we may have a self which is maybe not so good at times, but we should still maintain hope, hope that things will get better, that we'll receive good things. And if we have that hope, then we're able to stay on. But if we lose our hope, then things really do get difficult. And if we lose all our hope, then we just won't want to stay on in this world any longer. But it's not correct to think in that way. So we should try to train these minds. And they're things that can be trained. 
You see different kinds of animals, um, elephants, dogs, horses, they can all be trained. And this mind is the same, it can be trained. And what is it that we use to train our minds? It's the one who knows, and this nature of knowing, of awareness. And this is what looks after and trains the mind, that instructs the mind, so that it gains understanding into the Dhamma. And so we can teach ourselves, these minds, um, that, that these things are hot, they're burning, so don't attach to them. And the five khandhas, they're all like a piece of red-hot iron. And so if we touch that piece of iron on the top, then it's hot. If we touch it on the bottom, it's hot. If we touch it on the sides, it's hot. And why is that? It's because the whole thing is a red-hot piece of iron. So wherever we touch it, it's going to be hot, isn't it? And so if we attach to anything, attach to any of these khandhas, then immediately it's hot. But if we don't attach, then we're able to let them go and allow them to just follow their nature. So perhaps we won't realize this instantly, that we, perhaps right now, we wish for knowledge into the Dhamma, but we don't yet have that. So in the beginning we need to build up this goodness, to sacrifice. And in the current situation of the world, those who have wisdom will use this situation to give, to be self-sacrificing, to cultivate their barami. Because there's a lot of people who are suffering, who are lacking in many things. They don't have enough clothes, enough food, enough shelter, enough medicine. They don't have people to consult or um, uh, medical equipment. And so this is actually a really good opportunity that we have to help each other out. Because if all of the people in the world who had things, who were wealthy, who had enough, they didn't help those who didn't have anything, then no one would be cultivating their barami. And um, in the heaven realm, um, then the beings there, the devas there, they already have everything that they want. They're not lacking in anything. They don't desire any of these things. There's no illness in the body. They have all the food that they want. They have their celestial mansions. They've got the merits that they've created, caring for them, looking after them. And if all the humans had everything that they needed as well, then who would there be for us to be able to help? And how would we be able to create this kind of barami? So if people are going through difficulties, then this is a good opportunity for us to be able to help them, an opportunity for us to be able to cultivate our barami. And the ones who give are the ones who receive, and they receive goodness. And the benefits that we gain from generosity is that in the lives um, that we're born into, then we don't lack in things. 
uh, just like Venerable Sivali, that he had cultivated this barami of generosity uh, to a very great degree. And so he had everything that he needed. And it's not the case that the other great disciples of the Buddha, they hadn't cultivated this barami, they didn't have a lot of it, but Venerable Sivali was the foremost in this. And so the givers are the ones who get, who receive. So we need to try to give, need to try to sacrifice, to not just be ones who take. So for monastics then, what can the monastics give? Because we receive all of the four requisites from the laity. And that comes through the goodness and the barami of the Buddha and of the lay people as well. And so we also need to give as well. It's important for us to give, to sacrifice. So we give the training of our mind. We sacrifice our sleep, so we sleep little. We sacrifice our food, so we eat little. And we're ones who are awake through effort. And so even though things are very hard in this present day, um, still people are coming and helping each other out. And many of the lay people are coming and helping, um, giving assistance to those who are going through hard times. And so there are the laity both within Thailand and overseas who have been offering the four requisites to the monks so we can survive. And I give my Anamodana again for this. I rejoice in your goodness. And so for us monastics, when we receive things, these things, then we should practice a lot. And for the laity, that even though um, some of you may have everything that you need externally, you still shouldn't be heedless because these things are not sure. So we should contemplate um, and train and see how the happiness that we gain from this, even if it's a celestial or a heavenly kind of happiness, this too is not sure, because we need to be separated from that heaven. We need to be separated from this body. We need to be separated from our friends, from all the people that we love, really from everything that we have in this world. We see that nothing lasts forever. But the thing that we can take with us is the goodness that we create. So we should be firm in building up this goodness in cultivating our hearts, in developing metta, this loving-kindness, and chanting a lot. And these things are the things which truly belong to us. So if we're feeling lazy to cultivate these things, then we can ask ourselves, well, what is it that we can take with us when we die? Because if we're lazy, then that laziness will also follow us into our next life as well. And so we need to just carry on practicing. We just carry on with it. Every life that we're born into, we just carry on with this practice. And if we don't do that, if we don't take up this work, if we don't train ourselves, um, then we'll just fail this test again and again. And the reason that we have to take this test now is because we've failed it in the past. But it's a good opportunity, being born as a human, to take this test in the human realm. 
And because if we fall into the hell realm, or the realm of the animals or the hungry ghosts, we can't take the test there. And it's very difficult for us to um, raise up, to go up to a higher level. So this opportunity now, getting this human birth, is a very good one. It's an excellent opportunity. And we have these bodies um, that are complete, these bodies that are healthy. So we should use that to do a lot of walking and sitting meditation. And that we have legs and feet which still operate and work, and so we can walk. But when problems arise within the parts of the body, say if our brain develops difficulties or problems, then it can be really tough, and we have to spend time looking after these bodies. And even though we may treat these illnesses, um, still the body may not recover 100%. And so we use this time that we have to train, do a lot of walking meditation, a lot of sitting meditation, and do a lot of chanting. And we also help out with the work um, that, and the duties that we have. And so this is the occupation of a monk to be doing this. And for the laity, it's also important to practice. You have to work for maybe eight hours a day, 10 hours, or even 12 hours in order to get the money that you gain. And this isn't easy at all to gain this wealth. But still, a laity, even though they go through such effort to gain this wealth, they offer it to the monastery. And it doesn't just stop there, but the people in the kitchen, they need to work hard as well and to be cooking the food for the monks. And they never get a day off but through the kindness, the compassion that they have for the monastics, um, that they do this day after day. And there's a feeling of pride which comes up within their hearts, that they're able to take care of the monks, to feed the monks. And so they just carry on doing this without stopping. So even though we gain um, this kind of happiness, we shouldn't attach to that happiness because it's something which isn't sure. And one day it needs to deteriorate, one day it needs to fade. Even though we may have a lot of knowledge, perhaps knowledge about bodies, we may be doctors or nurses, and still pain is bigger than us. It's more kind of important than us. Old age, it's bigger than us, that really no one is um, more important or bigger than old age or sickness. And so some people say, well, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I have a lot of things, I've got a lot of knowledge. But even though they may say these things, the world doesn't listen to them. It doesn't pay any attention to them. If they say, well, I don't want to get old, then the world it doesn't pay any attention. And old age or sickness, um, or even separation from the loved, well, they say, I don't want to be separated. I don't want to be separated from this world. don't want to be separated from the things that I like. But the world doesn't pay any attention to them. 
So we need to try to build up goodness then, to create good things. And we do that through giving. And we also give some time for ourselves as well. Time to develop our hearts, time to bring them to peace, to cultivate them, so that this inner joy and happiness arises. And when the mind is in the state, then effort will come up naturally, or by itself. We won't have to force ourselves to meditate any longer, it'll just happen naturally. But to get to this point, we need to train ourselves first. And it's normal that it requires some training. It's just like a child who's first going off to kindergarten, and they're still very attached to their home, attached to their parents. And their parents try to get them to go to school, but they just sit there and cry, they don't want to go. But they need to go off to school, so their parents have to send them, and sometimes even their parents have to stand waiting at the fence until they're finished. And that's because these young children, they don't really know anything. They don't have this kind of knowledge. And so our minds are the same. The deluded mind is clueless. That anything that is a source of happiness, then the mind just instantly likes that and attaches to that. So this life that we've been born into right now is the life that we use to gain more knowledge, to study more, so that we can gain a clear understanding into reality, and so that we're able to defeat ourselves, to win out over ourselves. And when we compete, we're competing with ourselves. In worldly ways, we compete with others. When we study, when we work, um, then we compete with others. And this is just the way of the world, to be um, like this. But this is also, having this kind of competition externally with others is also deluded as well. So we need to try to defeat this delusion. And it's something that we are able to win out over, even though delusion is the world champion. And the Buddha was able to defeat delusion. Uh, the awakened disciples of the Buddha, and there are huge numbers of them, they were able to defeat this delusion. And so for us, we have the chance to be another one of these awakened disciples, and to have this kind of knowledge as well. So even though we may feel lazy, even though the mind may be in a really chaotic state, and still we think to ourselves, I'm going to do it all the same, I'm still going to practice. Even though the mind may be in a mess, we tell ourselves, I'm going to practice, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to carry on doing this. And we just keep on practicing until the mind reaches the state of inner ease. And if we're able to do these things easily, if we're ones who are able to cultivate merit, to build merit easily, that's because we've done it before in the past. If in this life it's something that we do a lot, that it's not difficult for us to sacrifice, it's because in our previous lives we've done it before. 
And so if, if we've been cultivating this for one year or two years, three years, four years, um, the sacrifice, then it's something that becomes easy for us to do. But for those who have never done it before, it's very difficult. Because it's not easy for us to gain this wealth. That it requires a lot of work. And so it's not easy for most people to give it up. So it's the same with this training, that if we've trained ourselves a lot in the past, then it's easy for us to train ourselves now. To sit in meditation, walk in meditation, it's not difficult. That we don't get fed up or tired with the practice. And so Lumpucha said that one who is like this has a lot of energy. And I was listening to him as he said that. He said that those who aren't lazy, who have a lot of effort, who are able to bring up this consistent effort, that they're ones who have energy. And so during that time, uh, the year 1981, um, my mind was, the samadhi of my mind uh, was very good. With my body and my heart felt very light, and there was joy that would arise for months at a time. And normally when I would wake up, then the hindrances um, would be quite strong in the mind. But during this time, as soon as I wake up, there was mindfulness right there. And both the body and the mind felt very buoyant. If there was any sense impressions which arose within the mind, I was able to just let them go. And so I was thinking that with samadhi being like this, um, I'd just be able to watch the mind itself and attain to the Dhamma. But Lumpucha, he told me, don't neglect this body. That samadhi it develops in different stages. Um, but it's not the case that you're able to, right now, just look at this mind and attain to the Dhamma just like that. But rather, you should focus on what it is that you're attached to. So there's still attachment to this body. There's still attachment to the earth, water, fire, and air. Um, and there was still this really strong clinging to that. So it's really important to be close to great teachers like this, because they can give us their advice, and they can guide us along the correct path of practice. And each day I recollect the goodness of my teacher, of Limpucha. He taught me everything. He had such kindness and compassion for me, that he got me to stay in the heart that was very close to his but it wasn't fun staying there. I was just 15 or 20 meters away from his hut. And so he was able to kind of see everything that I did. That when I went down from my hut and I did walking meditation, I would be right there in his eyesight. And so I'd go off to the morning chanting and then come back after eating. And I'd put on my robes and do walking meditation carry on until about 11.30 and then sit in meditation in my heart, rest for about an hour and then um, do walking meditation again. 
Then after this, I would go and attend to Lumpucha. So I carried on living like this for one month or maybe a month and a half. But in that hut that I was staying in, there were lay people who were walking past all the time because they were going to pay respects to Lumpucha. And so after about a month or a month and a half, I asked Lumpucha to stay in a hut that was a bit more tucked away inside the monastery. But it was such a good opportunity for me to be close to him, to be, to have him uh, looking over me like that. I really feel like this was a lot of merit that I had to get this opportunity. Uh, because, at least when I was staying there at Nambapong, no one else um, had that opportunity. And uh, before I stayed, maybe there was someone, I'm not sure. And so it was the great kindness and compassion of Lumpucha. And so we should really set our hearts on this practice. And this is true also for the laity, to not miss out on the practice and to not attach to the happiness that we gain because this happiness is not a sure thing. And when this body changes, then great pain will arise. And sometimes illness can come up in a very intense way. We may eventually manage to cure that illness, but then maybe after 10 years it comes back again. So we should be sincere in training and bringing our minds to peace. And when they're calm, then they'll gain an understanding of the Dhamma. They'll see how this body is something that's unstable. It's not me, it's not mine. And so we need to use our wisdom a lot to contemplate, to um, reflect consistently and to not get bored or fed up with this. And if we do get tired of the practice, then we're aware of that, we look at that. We have samadhi or sati rather, this mindfulness there, knowing what's going on. And when our mindfulness is strong, then these feelings of being fed up will disappear. So we should endeavor to train ourselves like this each and every day.